0: Uh, We are in week three of a series that I'm really excited about, Blessed with what? And we're talking about blessings from God that most of of us don't immediately think of as blessings when we hear of them. Uh, At the same time, I'm trying to kind of weave in uh, the vision of reaching people for Jesus and becoming a worshiping community of 650 one, uh, because it's the one. It's every one matters. The blessing that we'll be talking about this morning is significant. And as a Jesus follower, I'm not sure that it's optional. All of us have been blessed with a story to share. I'll be talking about and we'll be looking at sharing Jesus with other people and telling them how awesome He is. And I like the vibe of the phrase, sharing your story, because people share their story all the time. It's kind of like, hey, we did this as a family. It appears on Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Hey, look what we did. Uh, Look what I had for dinner. (laughs) Check out this memory. As Jesus followers, we simply acknowledge God's presence and activity in our story as we share it. Now, anytime you talk about sharing Jesus with other people, I think it's typical for like a couple emotions to creep up in people's hearts. Uh, the first is guilt, Uh, And if you're not a believer and you're worshiping with us this morning, checking us out, uh, you get to watch the rest of us squirm a little bit this morning, uh, because those of us who are Jesus followers, when we hear about the topic of sharing Jesus with other people, one of the things that we think of is, yeah, I should probably be doing that more. It's, It's a guilt thing. Yeah, I should probably be more intentional about showing people Jesus, but we don't all the time, so occasionally uh, we feel guilty, especially when the preacher brings it up. Uh, My goal this morning is not to make you feel guilty, because this is a blessing that we have a story to share. And the other emotion that often comes up when you talk about sharing Jesus with others is fear. Uh, and just and so you non-believers might know, we're, as believers, we're afraid we're going to mess this up. You know, and what if we say it wrong? Uh, what if we can't answer a question somebody has? What if we misquote Jesus? Some people can't handle that kind of pressure. Uh, we also fear that we'll push somebody away instead of pulling them towards Jesus, like We don't want to offend non-believers. Relationally, we don't want things to be awkward. Uh, Like, we don't want you to sit at another lunch table. Uh, We don't want to see you in a store and have you see us and then walk the other way. Uh, That's awkward. Not to mention, like, as believers, we know that we're not perfect. So sometimes we're afraid that, like, you'll see us mess up. And you'll think or say to us, you're you're nothing but a hypocrite. I'm here to like calm your fears this morning and say you have a story to share. And you know what? Jesus loves hypocrites too. So this morning, I want to give you some principles for sharing your story. And we're going to look at a, a, a scripture. And I think this biblical character gives us a model for sharing our story in the heart of it. And it's from 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. And it's Paul. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. I think Paul is probably like the 651 everyone matters poster child. He is actually still being true to himself. He is obeying the law of Christ, which supersedes the Jewish law. What what he's doing is actually identifying with where people are at so he can relate to them and show them Jesus. And it's an awesome model for us to follow. Um, Be true to yourself. Have integrity in your own heart. Conveying the truth that this book contains and then go make disciples, show people Jesus no matter who they are or where they're at. So if you've got that, if you're passionate about that, like you could probably skip this sermon this morning. But if part of you deals with that guilt and that fear, if, if you think even a little bit, you know what, Pastor Steve? Who who am I to share my story? If that's you, I want to share four unlikely people from Scripture who shared their story. And my hope is that when, when you see their story, you'll think, well, gee, they didn't know very much. They, they weren't perfect, and God still used them. Because the truth is, God really can use you to share your story to make a difference. So here they are, four unlikely people who showed other people Jesus. Number one, the first unlikely person showing people Jesus is a Samaritan woman, if you're taking notes, who teaches us that sometimes all we need to say is, come and see." Now, you may wonder why this woman is an unlikely candidate to show other people Jesus. And there are three uh, that I can think of. Uh, The first is she was a Samaritan in a Jewish world. The Jews thought Samaritans were an unclean people. The Jews didn't talk to Samaritans or associate with them. Second, she was a woman in a man's world. Women were not respected the same way that they are today in biblical times. Jesus actually did a great deal to change that that he doesn't get credit for, uh, but that's like a totally different sermon. I'm just talking about the culture of the day. But in that day, women were almost considered property. They couldn't be witnesses like in court. It just wasn't allowed. When Jewish men woke in the morning They are said to have prayed a prayer. God of heaven, thank you that I was not born a woman, a Samaritan, or a dog. That's harsh, but it's true. Lastly, she was 50 shades of gray in a black and white world. In other words, this woman had been around the block a lot. She was what we would consider an immoral woman she would have been very, very, a very, very unlikely candidate for people to come up to her and say, hey, let's ask her about how to get to know God better. It wouldn't have happened. But one day, she goes for water at a well in the middle of the day when it's hot instead of in the morning when most women went because obviously she didn't want to be around other people. In other words, this woman has issues. And when she gets to the well, she meets Jesus, a Jewish man. And Jesus speaks to her, which is uncommon, and he asks her for a drink. She's floored, and she's thinking, what is going on here? She literally calls Jesus out on it, And says, how can you, a Jew, because you don't speak to me. I'm a Samaritan, I'm a, a woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Like most Jews would not even drink water that I was around, let alone ask me for a drink. And Jesus says, well, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for some of the water I've got, and you would never be thirsty Again, now she's interested (laughs) because if she doesn't have to come to this well every day and possibly see people that I'm going to guess hate on her on a regular basis, well, that's a good thing. So she says to Jesus, give me some of this living water. And Jesus says a very typical thing for the day. He says, go get your husband and come back insert awkward silence i don't know we can't tell from the text how long or if there's any silence at all but here's what this woman says i i don't have a husband in other words just just give me the water man like I I don't have a husband. I I don't want to get into this. Um, You said you've got water. Give it to me. And Jesus says, you know what? You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the man you have now isn't your husband. Right? Right? Her next phrase, I I love it. She says, sir, I can see you're a prophet. (laughs) Like, I've never met you before. You've just told me my whole life story. Uh, This is kind of awkward. You might be a prophet. She says, I know the Messiah is coming called the Christ. Here's this spiritual hunger that's in her. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything. You just told me everything that I did. Is it it possible that you're the Messiah that can explain the longing of my heart? And Jesus says, I'm that guy. Let's look at what this very unlikely story sharer does. Picking up with John four twenty-eight. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Come and see like come and see and check this guy out for yourself. There's something different. There's something special. Maybe something a little creepy about this guy, but you got to come see. Jesus. John 4:39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, "He told me everything I did." He told me everything I did, come and see. And they believed. The truth is, you, you can do this too. You, you don't have to be perfect. If anything, she's evidence of that, right? She had five husbands, and she was shacking up with number six. You, you don't have to have all the answers. You can just say, come and see. You can say, Jesus is showing up at this church in Newstand. Come and see. The, the worship is amazing. Come and see. They care about people, not just themselves. Come and see. Now, just a side note, because we're going to put together some meals later. I, I want to give a shout out to everyone who serves at and supports the ministry of the Mission Cafe. Uh, after second service, we're going to put together 40,000 meals for other people. That is amazing. And one of the ways that we fund that work is through the Mission Cafe. We don't keep as a church any of the profits from the Mission Cafe. We put 100% of the proceeds of of that cafe into things for missions. 40,000 meals cost about $12,000. And it's worth every penny to proclaim that it's not about us and serve other people. So to all of you who support the Mission Cafe and serve there and are leaders there, thank you, thank you, thank you. It means a lot when you say, come and see. In fact, it means more when you say it than when I say it. Because when I say it, people think, you're the preacher there. Like, you get paid to say that. But when you say it, like, you're a satisfied customer. Like, people consider that like a five-star review. When I say it, it's like, oh, you're getting paid. They've done studies. Four out of five people say that they would come to church If invited by a trusted friend, four out of five people, four out of five, who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? Who who could you invite? Because every one matters. The Samaritan woman teaches us, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to say, come and see." Because when people come and see Jesus, you never know what God's going to do in their life. The second unlikely person showing people Jesus is a man that was born blind. And what he teaches us about sharing our story is that we can make it personal. So this guy was born blind. So in other words, he has never known anything but darkness. And in that culture, everyone thought that He was suffering because he had sinned or his parents had sinned. And in the story, even the disciples asked Jesus that. Who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he was born like that? No one expected to see Jesus in this guy because he was a sinner. Jesus comes over to him and makes some mud with some spit. And puts it on the guy's eyelids and says, go wash in a pool. He does. And he's healed. And he never even sees Jesus. It says that he goes home seeing. Now, the Pharisees hear about this and get their noses out of joint because Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath. So this formerly blind guy who's never even seen Jesus gets hauled in to be questioned by the Pharisees. And they say things like, well, tell us the story. This Jesus guy can't be from God because he healed you on the Sabbath. He doesn't keep it. He's got to be a sinner. We think he's a false prophet. And they ask this formerly blind guy who had never even seen Jesus to give his opinion. And here's his response in John 9 25. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the blind man replied, or the formerly blind man. But I know this I was blind and now I see. He's keeping it real and he's keeping it personal. In other words, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And you can do the same thing. And you know what? People can't argue with your personal story and relationship with Jesus. Maybe maybe you've been searching your entire life, and you found peace in Jesus. Well, keep it real, keep it personal, and share your story. Maybe Jesus helped you break some addiction. Share your story and keep it real. Maybe Jesus healed your marriage or your body. Share your story. Maybe you were in bondage and had four cats and Jesus set you free. And now you own a dog. Hallelujah. Share your story and keep it personal. Now, if you don't have a dramatic cat conversion story, it's okay. Your story is unique to you, and it will minister to someone, because everyone's story matters. Keep it real, and keep it personal. The third unlikely person showing people Jesus is actually a lady named Dorcas. And anybody with the name Dorcas is considered an unlikely person to show people Jesus. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. But honestly, it's sad how easily people write someone off for the smallest things. A name, being overweight, maybe having a bunch of tattoos, the wrong background. God does not judge how the world judges. He sees our heart. Amen? Dorcas teaches us that you can show people Jesus by serving and giving. Acts 9, 36. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. Dorcas had a burden for the poor, specifically widows. Widows were poor and desperate. And she, she made robes for them and other clothing. She kind of reminds me of our Linda Lee. She, she prayed with them and got involved in their lives. She helped them financially. Here's the amazing thing about Dorcas's story. When she died, some of her friends went and got Peter. And they showed Peter some of the things that Dorcas made for the poor. And Peter put everyone out of the room and he prayed and God raised Dorcas from the dead. You can love and serve and give like Dorcas. You you can let God wreck you with a burden, and do something about it, and you too will one day hear the voice of Jesus as a believer. He will call you from the grave, well done, good and faithful servant, and he will raise you from the dead. Dorcas sowed, but you can do whatever God puts on your heart. Get involved with people's lives or a group of somebody's lives. Encourage your connect group to get involved serving someplace. Fourth, the last unlikely person showing people Jesus is Peter himself. Peter teaches us that occasionally it's okay to get in someone's face. Peter was someone unlikely to show people Jesus because he messed up so many times. He rebuked Jesus when Jesus said he was going to Jerusalem to die. Uh, He he chopped a guard's ear off in the garden, and then he denied even knowing Jesus three times during Jesus' trial. Peter was emotional, quick-tempered, and somewhat impulsive. Anybody here but me kind of identify with Peter some days? I see, yeah, some, some, some of you are going like, <laughs> your spouse is pointing at you anyway. Um, but on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, God chose Peter to preach. Anybody want to guess what kind of message he preached? How many think Peter preached one of those warm, fuzzy, touchy-feely messages? Yeah, good guess. He let him have it, man. This is Acts 2, starting with verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Ouch. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. But Peter also pointed them to the hope and the forgiveness that the power of the Spirit brings. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. There will be times in your life when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be bold and confront people with their need for Jesus. And there is nothing more thrilling than being involved in somebody's story where they cross from death to life in Christ. And you can do this. You and I could be the next unlikely person to share our story. Because everyone matters and everyone needs Jesus. Without him, people go to hell. No one is good enough. There is not a cosmic average out there someplace where if you score higher than the average, you go to heaven. If you score lower than the average, you go to hell. That's not how it works. You either know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you don't. The things that you've done wrong, the things that I've done wrong, will Condemn us to death if you don't know Jesus that paid the price for your sin and he offers you life. The good news is it doesn't cost you anything. He paid the price with his blood on the cross. You have to believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So this morning, I plead with you like Peter pleaded with the crowd save yourselves repent of your sin and call on Jesus follow him pursue him give him your life so you can live with him now and for all eternity when you know him you can't keep him to yourself you are blessed to share your story Do you know someone that that doesn't love Jesus as much as they love him? Anybody know somebody that doesn't know Jesus? Yeah, like all of us, right? Let's just take a moment of silence and lift that person before Jesus. Let's pray together. God, that person on our heart might be a good person, person struggling. God, it it really doesn't matter. There's not a scale out there someplace. We just need to know your son who died for us and offers us life. So for those that w- we know that don't love you like you love them, we ask that you would hear. Our prayer. As we keep praying this morning, there might be someone here who feels like, you know what, this this is my moment to invite Jesus into my heart. Like I've never done that. And and if this is your day to say, Jesus, save me, I, I I invite you in to be my Lord and Savior. If the Spirit is pulling you towards that commitment this morning, would you raise your hand and just kind of leave it up so I can see you? Awesome, thank you. Anyone else, if this is your moment, don't let this moment pass it by. There's a a prayer on the screen this morning, and if you raise your hand, and even if you just wanna reaffirm this this morning, would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. I repent and I turn to you. Fill me with your spirit so I can obey you. Make me new. Make me like you. You died for me. Thank you. Help me share my story. Jesus, take my life now and forever. In Jesus' name I pray.